So step one is have your job, have your income, go buy your portfolio, buy in a market where hopefully it appreciates and you could turn one into two and two into four and four into eight. And then the goal is eventually to have enough passive income that you have replaced your primary job. This is exponential growth. The goal is to be able to build enough of a portfolio that you can live on that money so that you're not having to save up some amount of money that hopefully is going to hedge you in retirement. It scares me how many people retire without any passive income because look at what's happened right now. I'm Kevin Attright and I'm on a mission to help you with investing secrets, empowering you to succeed financially, changing your financial perspective and growing your wealth in good times and in bad. And when the next crisis comes, those prepared to weather the storm will achieve great success while the world melts with fear. Investing Secrets with Kevin Attride. I'm so pleased today to be joined by a friend. The first time I heard Leah Slaughter of OmniKey Realty, I was blown away. Her expertise, the real estate investing guidance that she was providing, her unique approach wowed me. And so today I'm thrilled to be joined by Leah. Leah, thank you for joining us. That was quite an intro. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me briefly, um, just a little bit about yourself, your experience, uh, and maybe a, a bit about your organization. Absolutely. So I started in real estate at the age of 18. It's really all I've ever done. My husband and I co-own a real estate investment property management firm. We started back in 2006. We represent about 1,400 investors, and we personally represent about 20% of the properties in the company. We're high-volume investors, so we not only have our property management investment acquisition firm, but then we also have our own real estate holdings entities as well. We specialize in doing infill and low-priced rental property with a short hold period, and so our model has been quite unique, and we've been infinitely blessed to have operated our business in North Texas, which has been just an incredible market starting from the very beginning. And so we we definitely were in the right place at the right time. And it has just been fantastic for us and our customers. We identify our business as one big family. We call everyone part of the OmniKey family. It's that old school business mentality you just don't see anymore. And so while I've watched all of my competitors IPO and sell, we're proud to still be standing here as a husband and wife owned company. Today's episode has been made possible by our presenting sponsors, Wellings Capital, build wealth by investing in diversified, recession-resistant commercial real estate. Smead CPA, the next frontier CPA firm for strategic investors. And Living Wealth, bank on yourself with private family financing. For our audience, you know, you know, we have a whole variety of those who just have a few thousand dollars who are looking to invest those who are accredited investors and are investing in the millions. But, you know, I'm interested for our audience. Tell us what are some practical tips, the actionable items that can allow someone to build their wealth and have the right financial perspective in times of great challenge? You know, I think the most important thing that people can do, and this is whether you're worth millions or you only have a thousand dollars, is educate yourself because everyone has to start somewhere. And one of the things about real estate investing is there's a lot more people talking that don't know what they're doing than people educating who do. And so the more opinions that you can watch, the more videos, the more education, the more widespread you're going to be able to get ideas from and then be able to form what's going to be the best investment model 
for you. And at the end of the day, the interesting thing about our model and what we've done and how I built my wealth was we use the same model for everyone, regardless of your financial situation. And so it's about finding a fit that works for you, making sure that it's comfortable, making sure that you have the path that works right and stay educated in times like this with inflation and and everything else that we're navigating or have been navigating, there's been lots of things that have changed. And so if you stay on top of that, then you can really meld your model to work no matter what's happening. Okay, that's that's great. Go further. In addition to educating yourself, what are some additional practical tips? I think that another practical tip that I definitely recommend is coming up with a savings plan. And so for someone that doesn't have enough money to buy real estate investments or for someone that already has money, at some point you're going to run out. And so step one is coming up with a plan of how much money you're going to work to save, how you're going to save it and holding yourself accountable to that. Depending on the type of real estate you buy, you can get into some deals with 10% down. And then, of course, conventional typical deals will get in with 20% down or 25% down. And so it is attainable for everyone as long as you set yourself a schedule and you stick to that. Now, what happens when you use up that 20 or 25% that you've saved up? Now you're out of money. And so it's more than just figuring out how you're going to pay for your first real estate investment. It's coming up with a plan and a model that's going to allow you to exponentially move forward. And so for someone who's in a beginner situation, looking at the right market is really important. And so that would be tip number three. Make sure when you're coming up with your investment strategy that you're investing in the right place. There's a lot of markets that provide good cash flow, but if you're not looking at the landlord laws that back to those cash flow percentages to make sure that they're really attainable, making sure that you have a lease in the state that's going to allow you to hold a tenant accountable to that so that you're not having to have situations where you're coming out of pocket unexpectedly. And then most important, make sure that you're buying in a diversified appreciating market. Because if you're buying in a market where property values have remained stagnant, but your returns only one or 2% higher, if you were to compare that against a market like DFW, which say last year had over 20 to 30% appreciation, you would have lost out on say 18 or 19% growth in one year alone. And so although none of us have crystal balls and there's no guarantees, you know, all real estate is subject to risk and loss. But if you do your cards right, you do your research and you put your money in the right place, just like I said, DFW allowed me to do what I've done with my portfolio. And so picking the right market can often allow you to do the same. And tell me just briefly about the Dallas-Fort Worth market. So DFW is arguably the strongest market in the United States. If you look back to the last crash, DFW's prices dropped a little, but really we remained stagnant. And one of the unique things about North Texas and really Texas as a whole is we are investing minded and business minded. And so while everyone in the country was navigating through the crash and trying to not spend money, DFW was pumping money into everything, our highway system, our airports. If you look at the growth trajectory of DFW, it really started during the recession. And what happened is all of these businesses started looking at the Texas climate. And then Texas started offering things like the Enterprise Fund and all of these incentives to get corporate relocations to come here. And so what's happened now, if you move forward, is we are the third to fourth largest metro in the United States. We are a half to a third the cost of the next closest metro. Our pay grades are almost the same. So essentially, employers can move here, have no state income taxes for their employees, pay them almost the same or less. Their employees are going to spend a half to a third as much on a property, and that property is going to offer them a whole lot more.
before. So there really is no reason why businesses wouldn't be moving here. Then, of course, you look at the laws and the requirements in Texas for businesses to operate, which are much less stringent and much more business friendly. It really is just the perfect opportunity. So then you step back a bit and you look as a consumer and someone who lives here and tries to find a job. It's a completely different market than most areas because of two things. Number one, we're diversified. There's no one sector that holds the majority of our jobs here. And then number two, we are not working from the city outward. So you look at areas like Chicago and L.A. and New York, they build from the inner city outward. What you'll find with DFW, if you look specifically at all of the employer relocations of Fortune 500s, you'll find that almost 100 percent of them went into the suburbs. And that's because we develop ourselves from suburbs outward. We have the second largest miles of capital and highway of any other state. And what that means is that we have this interconnected system where you can live and work anywhere in the metro and still be able to commute. And it's not like working in the inner cities where you have to move further and further for affordability. And so we have employers in all of the different counties, all of the different suburbs. And so just the sheer layout of North Texas is better equipped for growth and population growth. And that's why prices have stayed so low. Well, thank you. That That's very educational, especially for those who don't know as much about Dallas-Fort Worth. Go back to the the practical tips. So, you know, real estate is the safest investment vehicle generally, and that's because there's not as much fluctuation as there are in other things. You know, one of the things my husband always says is if you invest in stocks, it could be worth zero tomorrow. You can have a piece of real estate, a home, something, and it can burn to the ground and most losses you can insure and hedge against. So even if that piece of real estate burns to the ground, you still have value. You have value in the land. You have valued in the insured structure. And so although there can be price adjustments both up and down in real estate, the risk is much less than in other investment vehicles. You also are in complete control. If you invest in something that say a group deal or a syndication or things of that nature, you're just one of many. If you self-invest in your own situation and your own real estate, then you can control that at any time. And so for someone like me, if I have a property I want to liquidate, I'm not answering to anyone else. So there's a lot of different ways to invest in real estate. And so it's important that you're also looking at the right vehicle to be able to control your own decisions. And that's really important to me. And our model is such that we only work with those individual ownership situations. Now, there's something else to think about, and that's credit. And a lot of people don't realize how much just a little bit of a credit change can really transform your return. So if you're looking to invest in real estate and you're looking to get a mortgage, you need to understand that credit score drives your interest rate. And interest rate is the single largest factor other than amortization that's going to change your cash flow because it quite literally changes your monthly payment and therefore it can make a 50 to $100 swing or more just from having a credit score that goes from 720 to 700 or 700 to 680. So if you're not quite ready to get started or if you're in the path of getting started or if you're in the middle of already investing, make sure you do everything you can to keep your credit score high. That doesn't mean pay everything off. And I want to be clear, there's a lot of bad information out there about paying off debt. Right now, even with interest rates rising, we are still in what I consider a negative interest rate climate. And what that means is that when we invest in property, we're making 8, 10, 20, or if you're like me, you do higher risk deals, we can make 200, 300%. Borrowing money at 2.8 to 5% when you can make double, triple, quadruple 100 times, it's always going to make sense to borrow that money. So there are a lot of people out there educating to pay everything off and try to live on your retirement. But we've all seen with inflation, that's not possible. The government is not going to pay us for the rest of our lives to make sure we're taken care of. It's our requirement and our need to take care of ourselves. And that's part of why we educate is to make sure that the right message is being put out there. The best way to support 
support yourself. The best way to build for retirement is to build passive income. And the best way to build passive income is to make more on what you borrow than what you're spending to borrow it, to take it on an exponential level. So instead of taking $200,000 and buying one home, why would you not leverage that and buy six homes? One thing to keep in mind when you own a rental property, generally just your principal pay down part of your mortgage every month is about a 3% return. So just leveraging into six properties instead of three is going to make you 18% right there. And so that's more return than most people get in any other investment vehicle. And that's before we look at appreciation and cash flow and everything else. So again, it's about making sure you do that education to find the right models. There's a hundred me's. And so you just have to find the one that fits right for you. But it all goes back to the lending that you're going to be able to get and keeping your credit score high is going to play a big role in that. Leah, that's fascinating. And, and I couldn't agree with you more. Get practical on so someone has no clue what real estate investing you're, you're speaking of. You know, get practical. What does the property look like? So typically what we invest in is anywhere from a two to three bedroom home, one to two bathroom home. It's either going to be new construction or what we call infill property. And what infill property means is it is a home that is being built or remodeled in the middle of an existing neighborhood or area. Now, there's a lot of reasons why we pick infill property. One of the reasons that's most important is property taxes. And so when you have a rental property, you've got a few expenses that you're going to have every month that come out of your monthly rent. Of course, you're going to have your mortgage and you're going to have your insurance. But then in a market like ours, you're also going to have property taxes. So what happens is January of every year, an assessor comes out or virtually determines what the value of the home is on January 1st. And they do that by looking at all of the properties around you for conforming. So they're looking for a similar home close by that can help them guide as to what your home is worth. So if you buy a brand new home in a neighborhood of all brand new homes, it's quite simple to value because all of the homes are nearly identical, what we call track homes or builder homes, etc. So when we look at infill property, it's kind of a mishmash. They're all homes and they're all relatively similar in their size, but completely different in age and condition. And so what we find is that cash flow is much higher on infill properties for two reasons. Number one, they often have a lower property tax value than what they're actually worth because generally your home is going to be one of the nicest on the block or in a group of nicer homes on the block. And then number two, it's because often infill property sells for less money. Now in the end, is it going to appreciate and have that same value? Hopefully, yes, and that's what we've seen. But when you look at property taxes, they may be two, three, four hundred dollars a month. If it's half as much as in a developed neighborhood, that's two hundred dollars a month in cash flow, and that's about an eight or nine percent return on most properties. So you quite literally could be looking at five to ten percent more return on a property in infill than in a developed neighborhood just because of their inability to properly value it. That's so well said. And you know, your firm is is often unique in that. Are there others doing this around the country or is yours one of the few? I think that there's very few firms that have the model and the contacts to be able to do the scope that we do. I see a lot more infill in your older markets like Chicago and New York because there's just nowhere to build. But in a market like ours where there's so much land and so much space available, I don't really see others doing what we're doing because it's easier just to go build a neighborhood. It's easier to go divide up some land and build properties and sell them all off than it is to try to deal with either bulldozing a house or absorbing a house and remodeling it. And so those of us that keep our investments, a lot of us do this model. But for those of us out there selling real estate, it's much more difficult. Of course, we are more than happy to take the more difficult path to get a better return for our customers. I can't say that's the same for everyone. I think that the only other thing that I would say is it's very important to make sure that you don't quit your job. 
I see a lot of people that come into this and say, well, I want to become a full-time real estate investor. I'm quitting my job. And what they don't think about is it's the income from that job that makes you lendable. And so it's very important that until you have a portfolio creating enough income that you can qualify, don't leave your high paying job. The other thing I see people make the mistake of is self-managing. I have people who come to me that they have a full-time job, they quit their job to go manage their 10 properties. And what I would challenge you to say is in any market that you're in, don't quit a $100,000 a year job to go do something you can pay someone $10,000 a year to do. You're better off staying in your employment, continuing to build the portfolio, and then building a team to go run that for you. That, that misnomer of retirement is not just quitting your job. It's not having to have your time controlled. And so there's a lot of different steps to real estate investing. So step one is have your job, have your income, go buy your portfolio, buy in a market where hopefully it appreciates and you could turn one into two and two into four and four into eight. And then the goal is eventually to have enough passive income that you have replaced your primary job. And that's the time that it's time to start looking at leaving your job. And so I say that to say that this is exponential growth. The goal is to be able to build enough of a portfolio that you can live on that money so that you're not having to save up some amount of money that hopefully is going to hedge you in retirement. It scares me how many people retire without any passive income because look at what's happened right now. I see all over Facebook people who retire go buy an RV and they want to drive the country. It's close to $900 to fill up just a gas tank in some of these RVs right now. And retirees that are living on a fixed amount of money or Social Security can't do that. And so it's very, very important that you protect yourself and you build the retirement lifestyle that you want and not rely on anyone else to do that for you. Because we've seen things can just swing on a dime. You want to put yourself in a position where it just doesn't matter to you because you've already hedged against that by having passive income. Thank you. That's very impactful. And so I want to dive a little deeper um, in today's economic challenged in, environment, knowing that you're not providing uh, individual advice. This is uh, this is really education. But what do you tell investors in, in today's market landscape? What guidance do you have for investors, what they should be doing? And, and it may not necessarily be practical, but what are, what should people be doing today? I'm buying more than ever. So let me speak to my own investment journey for a moment. This market is the best market an investor can hope for because prices are skyrocketing. So what we do in times like this is we take inventory we already have. So let's speak to DFW for a moment. So Zillow originally came out and called for something like 16% growth this year. They then retracted and went back and said they, they were expecting something like 20%. They then retracted again and had to increase that now to close to 22%. It's very interesting to see what's happening in our market. And so it's about making sure that no matter what the market is doing, you have a play that's going to allow you. In times of turmoil, guidance from successful investors and the wealthy is critical for your success. Subscribe to our premium content to ensure you are well equipped for the growing crisis. Uh, before we go on, um, tell us just uh, briefly, how do people get in touch with you or your firm? Absolutely. So our website is omnikeytexas.com. That's O-M-N-I-K-E-Y, Texas, T-E-X-A-S.com. Or you can call us at 833-OMNIKEY or local 972-480-8280. Before you go, there are more secret investing tips coming that are quite powerful to help you build your wealth. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything from our seasoned experts. If you want a VIP introduction to our experts, click on the link below. 
In addition, make sure you listen to our past episodes so that you don't miss out on a single secret. If you're ready, it's time for you to experience financial freedom. The information contained in this episode are opinions not to be used as individual guidance. As always, consult your own financial team for your investment decisions.